Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. And welcome to another episode of the Homestyle Podcast. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne, that's Red Energy. I'm Jane Neild and I am joined by Shana Blaze every couple of weeks to talk design. She's an interior designer, author, TV presenter, judge on the block on Channel 9, which is going gangbusters this season. And of course, she is joined by two other judges on the block. I think they've had a very interesting season this year. So we are going to welcome in none other than Darren. Darren Palmer, one of the judges on the block. Darren, welcome to you. It's so great to have you on Homestyle. Out of 10, how uh, how interesting slash controversial have you found this season of the block? Well, if it's out of 10, clearly it's a 10. And that would be about the only 10 I've given so far. So that's <laughs> also an indication of how controversial it's been. Oh, it's funny. I, th- I think... Um... You know, we are judges on the block, but we are friends as well. And, like, you know, the texting that's been going on between Darren, Neil and myself, you know, when episodes go to air because we don't know what goes on and we see it goes to air and we go, oh, my God. (laughs) So it's been very entertaining for us in different ways um, to see how things have been played out after judging and then leading up to judging. Well, I've just got to say, as someone who, Shana, has worked with you for a while and followed you as well, Darren, I was gobsmacked, appalled and, quite frankly, shocked after Kitchen Week reveals on Sunday night to hear Mitch and Mark, look, anyone who doesn't have a pantry in their kitchen to me is just not in the real world, but to see them come back from the criticism that you gave them, rightfully so, I feel, and I think anyone would probably, unless they eat Uber Eats three times a day, would say you just didn't hit the mark with no pantry. They basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, we have no respect for the judge's opinion. Full stop. Therefore, it doesn't impact us. We have no respect for them. And then they walked off. I mean, talk me through seeing that on TV after all was said and done, guys, and and how you responded to that, Darren. Who goes first? I'll jump in first and then you can take over. I think the thing is we we know how hard the judging is every week, but I just feel like it's it's gone a step too far. And the thing is also there's a lot of comments that we made about that kitchen that, that don't get through, so only that those snippets, small snippets get through. And the thing was that we also gave advice of where they can put another pantry, where they can actually um, fix this up in the future, so we're excited to see how that plays out. But I think the, the thing is that, you know, I had a lot of people attacking me on social media saying, well, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, pantry drawers and whatever. And it's like, you don't even bother answering because it's an argument you don't need. Yes, there are pantry drawers. I know pantry drawers. I've designed many kitchens. They're in my book. But this was not a pantry drawer. This was a drawer with a couple of packets of Betty Crocker food mix. Leave it that. Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Look, I'm going to just backtrack to the first time I was ever on TV and I was a contestant on a reality TV show and we had to renovate uh, one house every week. We had four and a half days to do it and I did eight of them in a row and one of the judges was Neil Whitaker and on the second week in the very first breath that he gave of one of my rooms and he was critiquing me, judging me to my face in front of cameras, he said... Your room 
is a cop-out. And then the film crew just went, ah, tape, and then they needed to change the tape, right? So they needed to sort of reconfigure everything. And I'm standing basically naked to the world, being, you know, kicked in the privates by Neil. Um, and I'm just sitting there going, wow, this is really painful and it really isn't lovely that everybody around me is watching this happen and I've just got to wait now whilst that hangs in the air and everybody has to get this themselves ready so they can start filming again. And so I was, uh, you know, wounded because I thought I'd done a great job, but I didn't tell him the, to go uh, jump. Um, I respectfully listened because um, he was actually telling me something that I really needed to hear. And I know exactly what it feels like to be a contestant. That's the point of my, my little anecdote there, is I know what that feels like. I know what getting uh, constructive feedback feels like when you think you've done a great job and somebody else with expertise comes and shows you a different point of view, one that may be painful, one that definitely isn't something that you wanted to hear, but I think it's just a measure of a person how they react to that in that moment. I think with clarity and time, everybody can walk back on their sort of reactions and some of those more you know, emotional outbursts. But right in the second when the camera's in your face, you kind of want to hope that you'd have the poise to think of something that is gracious and maybe insightful, um, maybe a little humble, because that would be a wiser way to communicate your disappointment than to have an outburst. And I think also um, there has been a few comments, like not so much this week, but comments of like, well, you know, that, that's personal taste and that's, you know, I'm sure if I went into your house, you know, I wouldn't like what you've done. And it's like, well, no, it's not personal taste. This is you're selling the house for a broad market. We're giving advice for broad markets. We're giving advice for what we can see because we're a third party. And when you're in something, and especially in a competition in a very tight timeline, you've got tunnel vision on. And we're coming on as third parties that are not caught up in the moment of the drama that you've had. We are seeing what is in front of us. And that's what a buyer will have to do every time. A buyer doesn't care what you were going to do. A buyer doesn't care what you thought you were going to do. And we are always judging on what is presented to us at that time. And that's what I think gets lost in, in the equation. And none of it is personal, no matter what anyone says, I don't care. Um, yeah, well, not, we know that it can't be personal because we actually don't know the contestants. No, no, no. And I have to say this, that, you know, and it's absolutely true and it's probably super offensive for the contestants, but until about week five or six, I... I can't speak for the others, but I at least have to say, sorry, whose room is this and what's their names again? Because we don't know them. We, we don't get to meet them unless we've had a challenge or if, um, you know, that's literally it. We Like they're not on the site when we get there. The There's nobody else. There's no builders. The whole thing is fresh. We walk in in a vacuum. So we don't know whether somebody's uh, significant has passed away. We don't know if um, they are fighting within themselves. We don't know. Basically, the, you know, the, Shana, you know that my judging is quite mathematical. Like I've got four Absolutely. criteria 
you know, one is design. So that's how they plan and lay out their spaces. One is inclusions. So that's the furniture and decor and stuff that goes into it. One is the finish, right? So that's how well done it is, whether the paint's, you know, messy, whether it needs a sand or whatever. And then one is appropriateness to the market. Mm. And, you know, we hear a lot of feedback. Oh, they're not buyers advocates or we're not real estate agents. Well, Shelly's a real estate agent, so she gives them good advice from that point of view. We do have Nicole, who's a buyer's agent. We do have builders on site. So, you know, they, that all those channels are covered. Where actually, I'm a property investor. I have property invested for the last 15 years, uh, 17 years. So I only got to where I am by doing great houses for people and practicing interior design and buying and selling real estate. And in buying and selling real estate, there's a lot of due diligence and research that goes into working out what's going to work in a particular market. And when we're looking at each block, I do that research. I look at the the suburbs. I look at what sells. All you need to do is look at Bronte Court and look at the different array of houses in that street to see how broad and differentiated the Hampton market is, especially if you compare it to, say, Brighton. Brighton was really quite specific, but Hampton is actually really quite broad, but family-oriented. It's a cul-de-sac, so they're perfect family environments. So if any of the contestants think they're not selling to a family market and they're not building a house for you know three to four bedrooms at that sort of multi-million dollar price point, then and they're not designing from that brief as their starting point, they're, they're missing the mark. Mm, yeah, and, and I think the thing is also it's it's those those elements of why we do what we do. And, you know, I, I did a show for 14 years was about selling houses. Oh, what was it called, Shana? <laughs> house was completely different. So, you know, I know how to sell a house and I know what to do. Um, so, and it's one of those things we don't need to justify our existence every week because we know there's a knee-jerk reaction, we know there's tiredness, but there comes down to certain elements where you just go, you know, that's too far. You forgot you're in a competition and that's what it is. You've actually put yourself up for this. So, you know, maybe just sort of like a, oops, a daisy. Anyway, it is a very different block. So I think, you know, we are in our position of, of what we are because we are experts. So I just want to go through some of the things with you, Darren, because you came from homemade. Uh, was it home style? Home, homemade. 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 You've built your career as an interior design from the ground up and you do some incredible things. Um, and you said you're a property developer. And one thing people don't know is that, you know, you actually have a property down the beach, which is sort of a country home one. You're, you're developing a property at the moment. Um, and you're also sort of semi-renovating it to be your forever home as well. So the I just want to put it out there for your property that's down the beach, you know, because we, we sort of got a little bit of an inkling that next year the block will be in some sort of rural environment. Um, we can't say I where. I read that, yes. Yes. So for you, you know, just that, that property you bought down the beach and you renovated it, very simply for, um, you know, Airbnb, but for you to have a holiday home. What do you find the difference for um, an area down there of how you've been able to um, renovate and decorate for one, a rural market, but also for Airbnb? 
So the the really most important thing is always the brief. And I will always go back to that as the starting point because the brief dictates everything. And the brief encompasses things like timeframes and budget, not just geographic location, not just mood and style and feeling, um, but budget and timeframe. Now, for me, I've got an unlimited timeframe on that property because it's only ever going to be more valuable in the future. And so there's no rush for me to make it perfect yet. Um, I want to, I have plans to, the plans are already drawn. I have seen them. (laughs) That's it. So the plans are great, but I don't have the budget because it doesn't make sense for me to spend all that money right now on that property because it already performs well. So what I did as a priority with the money that I had in the budget that I allowed myself was I reconfigured the house to the best I could with the money I had so that it would work best for rental, for a property, sorry, for an Airbnb or, you know, holiday let rentals. And what that means is three bathrooms. Yeah. So we've got a, a pair of rooms with one bathroom, another pair of rooms with one bathroom and one room with an ensuite. Now, ideally in that holiday rent let environment, each bedroom gets a bathroom. I've got two communal bathrooms and one ensuite. It's about as good as I can get. It's got two lounge rooms. It's got a winter lounge room, a summer lounge room. It's got outlooks onto the ocean. I reoriented the whole house so that people could be separate or together, that it sleeps 12 people. Um, So, you know, the sofas are gigantic. The rooms, the lounge rooms are are big. Um, And so it's really designed so that people can either come together or separate in a holiday let environment which is a very different brief to doing a family home and if it was my house that i wanted to live in then absolutely you know i could think maybe i want to spend more money because i also get the boost in um, capital growth and i also get the fact that i get to live in a perfect home i never get to live in a perfect house because I basically buy fixer uppers and then by the time I fix them up, I want to sell them. This place here that I'm in right now, uh, Bondi, I probably won't ever sell because as Shannon said, I've got a DA approved for my main house. I'm also building a house at the front of my house here, um, which is going to be another thing. And then I'm lifting up the granny flat and I'm taking that down to my beach house and then I'm going to develop my beach house and there's pools going in. And so, you know, I've got a, a bit of, Um, property shuffling going on and I've designed all this stuff myself Um, so uh, uh, back to your point I kind of know what I'm doing because people would hear that and go wow that sounds incredible like you know that that big holiday home with five bedrooms and and you know you've got that granny flat you're going to move and you've got this house and whatever I know your story where you literally had to buy your first one nearly on a credit card and you were in so much debt that um, you're in danger of losing everything for a long time ago. So for someone to think that you were handed any of that, um, they need to know your story better. So maybe when you first came to Sydney buying your first property, how did you go about that? Because I know it's, you know, it's a really hard story of how you got that and your beginnings. Yeah, right. So um, I... People are like, when did you come to Sydney? And I can be really specific because it. I arrived at 3 p.m. on December 31st, 1999. <laughs> I know that because it was December 31st, 1999. I wanted to be here for the y, uh, Y2K. Yeah. 
1999. Yeah, right. I'm like dancing on the dance floor at midnight in, in Sydney. It was the best thing ever. That's what I was aiming for. But what I did is I packed up my crappy car with every belonging that I could with $5,000 in the bank, nowhere to live, no friends and no job. Right? Yeah. I, I literally went, okay, if I go through this five grand and I haven't got a start on something, and back then I worked in graphic design and advertising, um, then, you know, I'll, go, I'll, just, I'll just go back. You know, what's the worst that can happen? I go back to Brisbane and I'll pick up my old life where I had a really great job and I had, you know, lots of friends and stuff. But I really wanted to be in Sydney because I knew that that's where I actually belonged. Um, I actually remember really clearly when I decided to move to Sydney, I was standing at Mrs. Macquarie's chair and I was standing with a friend of mine. I was looking into the ocean and I could see the sand and I was like, wow, that's so amazing. You can see the sand in Sydney Harbour. And then I looked up and you've got botanical gardens, the city, the opera house, the Harbour Bridge and the Harbour. And I was like, oh, I've got to move. I've got to move here. Yeah. That was like September. And so I moved two months, three months later um, with five grand, my car full of stuff, and nowhere to live, no job and no friends, right? Yeah. There were times where I have had to open a piggy bank to eat. There, there, there's been rough times. Um, I am in a really amazing spot now, a place I'd never thought in a million years that I would be. Uh, I decided to change careers at 27. And that, you know, I was earning pretty good money. I had two mortgages. I was like, uh, you know, um, but to answer your question, Shana, I bought my first three properties with three friends. So it was my ex and two of our best mates who are still two of my best friends to this day. And um, we banded together, we gathered whatever money that we could scrape together, we bought our first place, we leveraged off that one, we bought our second place, we leveraged off that one, we bought our third. I was up to the eyeballs in mortgage debt, plus other debt, um, which is not so fun. Um, and then I decided to change careers. And I was like, I, I just have to, because in my head, it didn't stop. Like I was walking into people's homes going, if that door was there and that window was here and there was no wall there and then over and over and over and over and over again, and it just wouldn't stop. And I realized that every book I read was interiors. Every, every magazine I loved was interiors. When people gave me gifts, they'd give me interiors books. And I was like, I'm just doing the wrong thing. So I had no experience no education and I was unemployable <laughs> and I was, yeah right success story in the making um but so I, I was like how am I possibly going to get a start on this from from that position like where I'm thoroughly in debt I have no way of making money and I have no idea what I'm doing right so that was in the early 2000s and thankfully I had a mentor who is a really good friend. I renovated one of our properties. Um, it was the very first design job I ever did. And it got published in Bell. And it was like, okay, clearly this, it's, it comes naturally to me. I, I, I always thought it would, but I think in three dimensions, I can see infinite detail in three dimensions in my mind. 
I just I can see pictures so clearly, so thoroughly um, that it's it's just second nature. I've got it's it's a it's an intuition. I, I have a a really good in, intuition about just what's right what's right for people. I can read people really well. It's just it's just a, just what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, and I think I think as you said, like it is it is a success story in the making. You could have gone the other way, but you didn't because your tenacity and your pig-headedness on some things that you're not going to let go. And I mean that in a very good way, a very good way, because you latch on and you go, no, I am doing this. Um, and, you know, to be in the industry, I think today you have to do that more than anything because so many people want to be an interior designer. So many people want to make a career out of design um, that, you know, there is room for everybody, but you have to, to be the top of your game to to actually really make a, a fully-fledged career out of it. You have to work on it every single day. It's not just, you know, you might get a, a lucky break. Well, it's what do you do with that lucky break? I think you'd need to have a passion for it to be yeah. successful because it's, and it's like with anything, um, without the passion to drive you, if, you're, if your drive is anything other than passionately doing the best you can, then you're only going to get so far. Money is not going to get you far if that is your if that's your driver. Um, you know, kudos, recognition, that won't get you very far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's only this burning desire that you have to do it or you're not going to be able to do anything else. That's the only way you get to have real success in anything is by just the payoff is the process. And talking about the process too, um, one thing that you and I have in common is that we both have homewares ranges and yeah. bedroom and, and we couldn't be more supportive of each other. And I think a lot of that comes down to, and we've always said it like, you know, um, Darren, you, Neil and I are very different in our approach to things, but also our aesthetics. And it comes through, you like your range is very different to mine and my range is, you know, a completely different look and feel. And it's not that I wouldn't love your range. It's just that it's in my innate nature to do the type of range I'm doing. And that's the same with you. Like I look at the beautiful earthy tones that you have and that's something we've always been different. Like I'm the blue girl, you're the earthy tones. But I look at your range and it's just... You know, it's so rich and, and, and beautiful and textural. And just take us through the initial process of why you went down that road for your range. Well, to, to give you some recognition there, at the very beginning of us working together on the block, you know, you had candles. And I was like, that's so clever. You know, I, want, I would love to see my name on something one day. Mm. And that wasn't, that wasn't something that I had. You know, it was something that I would love. I thought, God, in my wildest dreams, how amazing would it be to put my have see my name on something? Like that would be really cool. Um, you know, since then I've written books and stuff, and yeah, you know, there's 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 it's so easy to look backward um, on my career, on either of our careers, and for anybody on the outside to see any of the things we've done and see them as this big mass of stuff that looks like that glittery, shining beacon of success. But what it is actually is just one thing after the other, after the other, and one step after the next step, and each one of them is a mind-blowing thing. Like I remember the first time I saw my product with my name on it, and I was like, 
whoa, you know, that was that was just a, the coolest, most like it, you, you've written books too. You know what it's like. You hold your first book with your name that with the words that you've written, and you're like, I can't believe this is real. Yeah. So you know that to, to give you the credit. You and Greg Natali, funnily enough, um, both of you had that sort of wheel spinning already. And I looked and went, okay, you can do it. I can do it. I can do that too. I'm going to set that as a goal and I'll see see what I can do. And, you know, I ideally, my ideal partner, the one I really wanted was Maya. I did get other offers um, and I said, no, I, I want what I want. And I've got a really clear idea of what I want to do. And we, we, I went to them with a basically a half-formed range and aesthetic um, meeting and sat down with them and said, this is what I want to do and this is sort of look and feel. And I got a no at the beginning. Um, and I was like, oh, bummer, okay. And then a couple months later, I, they, they rang me and said, actually, what we want is what you've just presented to us before, but um, let's work on it together and let's collaborate and you can be exclusive tomorrow. And I was like, sweet, let's do that. Um, so my range is me, it is so me. Um, you know, it, they we work really closely together on what the things that sort of fundamentally underpin my aesthetic are. And it's, you know, an, a, a, an attachment to nature, an association to nature. So that's the colors, materials, textures, patterns in nature. Um, nature's color palettes, you know, I think if it works in nature, it's gonna work in, in any palette in an interior space. Uh, and then, you know, there's things like uh, Asian and African influence. So that, that sort of, you know, basket weaving and, and sort of netting and handcrafted and, and that sort of feeling plus an Australian approach to how we view, um, you know, the Australian landscape and how our houses need to be in Australia. So all those things sort of blended together. That's what my aesthetic is. And that is what my range is. And that's why I'm super proud, especially right now, the range is very sort of luxe resort focused. And we're sort of come full circle back to where we started with the range in terms of, you know, we started with a beautiful tobacco linen bed cover. Now I've got a sort of, it's a very similar tobacco um, hemp and cotton uh, bed cover. And it's just heaven. And hemp and cotton, if you haven't slept in hemp, it is so beautiful. Like it, so it, I saw you do an Instagram post on that the other day and you threw it on your bed and you jumped on it. And I'm just going, I think I need to try that. <laughs> I'll send you some, Dal. I know you've got a lot of your own. <laughs> but I'll... I'll send you some, but um, the I mean the benefit of of hemp. So linen is amazing, and I did have really beautiful, really high quality Belgian linen, um, but the the hemp cotton mix is actually um, moisture wicking, and what that means is it actually gets the moisture from the surface of your skin and takes it through to the other side of the surface of the fabric, so that it can evaporate outside of the sheets. So it's you sleep sweaty. Yeah, exactly. So you don't sleep sweaty. You sleep really beautifully. It's it's so it feels linen like, but it's natural and moisture wicking, and it's just heaven. I'm so in love with it. So, yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's really interesting to see it come full circle, and I'm really 
passionately in love with the range at the moment and the next one too. Uh, and the good thing is if you jump onto the Maya website, of course, we are chatting with Darren Palmer and Shana Blaze, thanks to Red Energy. There is a mid-season sale on at the moment, Darren, and I was eyeing off things like your uh, black textured vase which is like $15 or more off. I'm seeing this sale thing and just going ping, ping, add to basket. So it's a pretty good time to try out some of those items. <laughs> so you know, like it's been very hard to buy things in, shop, in the shop. So buying online is a thing. And, you know, um, I have got a, a new show coming out called Country Home Rescue. Oh, I like slight plug myself. Um, I did get a Darren Palmer Auberge for my area and I will show it to you when Sorry. it's on TV. What's so I an Auberge? Hey. What's an object? An, an object. object <laughs> okay. I'm thinking I didn't oh, see that in the catalogue. One of the contestants once called it knickknack. <laughs> now, so I, I have a, a Darren Palmer knickknack in my uh, <laughs> one of my reveals on country <laughs> An aubergine objet. Um, and we must just touch on that, Shana, before we run out of time. Country Home Rescue. Two weeks ago, we wrapped up the podcast. I'm kind of like, so, Shana, any news? For-? And then a couple of hours later, it exploded on Instagram. The show is called Country Home Rescue. Can you give us a couple of the details that are now public? Because you have been sitting on this for months. Wow, Darren, Darren has seen me go through like we'd be doing. I was actually doing it the whole time we were judging on the block. So, you, you know, you think of the, the pain that the contestants are going through. I was living it as well. <laughs> um, I was hearing about it and I was like, oh, honey, if I can help you in any way, <laughs> let me help because that sounds like uh, hell. Um, I, th- I think the thing is, you know, we went through um, three lockdowns the worst storm in 40 years and lots of uh, unforeseen dramas in the fact of things that should have been there that weren't there. And, um, you know, through the pandemic is a lot of um, materials that you can't get and materials go up 50%. And, yeah, it was um, it was a challenge beyond a challenge. That's all I can say. <laughs> there might be a couple of tears. <laughs> Do you know what, though? Shana and I are truly very good friends and we are really good supports to each other and we also know each other back to front and we share heaps of stuff with each other. And, you know, people probably don't realise that we're as good of friends as we are because, you know, it looks like we get on well on TV but we're actually really good mates. Um, So, you know, when I'm like, oh, this sucks, she'll be like, okay, let's talk about it. And same deal. She was like... Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm like, hey, how's it going, hun? She's like, um, yep, you know, lots of positives, um, few challenges, but I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see what you do with that amazing structure that you could start with, knowing full well that you're going to make it into something amazing. Um, I love that you did the show with both your kids. I think that is just the sweetest thing. And, you know, I just can't wait to see it come out on air. Do you know when there's an air date, Shana? It's, we're hoping in October. We don't have the exact date, but but October. So it's not far. I, I think we're probably days away from it being announced, but um, don't 100% know, but it's soon. Yeah. So, I, you know, and I was going to come down and, um, you know, be involved in one day of filming and, you know, go through a room with you, but COVID stopped us doing that, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, but so I haven't seen anything, but I'm bursting to see it. I can't wait. Um, and I'm super proud of you. Neil and I actually, we joke 
um, because it, like when if Shane is like yeah where's 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 Shana right now oh she's probably writing a book and filming a tv show and then like like you know like doing like three ranges and you know she's got like five plates spinning all at once at one time because there's always like so much on with Shana Blaze there's little wonder she won Celebrity Apprentice because she's <laughs> freaking amazing oh god well thanks for that pep up <laughs> Look, we have. Well, to... I think. Sorry, Shana, Sorry go, for it. go for it. I think you've got a lot of plates spinning these days, so um, maybe a little bit of it rubbed off. <laughs> well, guys, it's been so good to have you here for half an hour just to uh, talk about. Like, and Darren, I've got to say, I did not know your story about going to Sydney with five thousand bucks and buying houses on credit cards. It, like all. Props to you because, you know, you see that facade on TV and I know, Shana, you know, we've talked about um, your earlier years too. It's inspiring. And for anyone now thinking, oh, I'll never get into the market. I'll never be able to do this. I'll never have my dream home. You've got to start somewhere. So would your final bit of advice, Darren, be for someone, just do it. And you don't need your dream home at 25. Just get into the market. Just do it somehow. Make it happen. Put that first foot on the ladder. Look, I get in the habit of not advising people on financial issues, right? However, I can say when I was in that position, I made a decision that I would buy what I could buy with with a group of uh, three friends that I could trust. We had a legal agreement and we also had a moral agreement. And we made sure that the exit was as clear as the entry and that we knew exactly what would happen if each or any one of us wanted to get out at any point and what the triggers would be and what the process would be. And we did all of that work ahead of time, legally and morally, before we put any signs, up, before we put any signatures on any documents uh, to purchase any property. So I would say if, if that's what you've got to do to get into the market, and we ended up buying somewhere on the fringe of Sydney and retrospectively, worst investment I ever made, but it gave us the mentality that we could do it and we could do it together and it gave us the practice to do it. So I would say, look at this seemingly insurmountable thing from whatever direction you can, using whatever resources you can pull, and then work from there. Because it is a big goal, but any of those big goals, if you just are creative and 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 do your due diligence and, and are cautious and, and tick all your boxes and do all the legal work and, and make sure that you're doing it in a morally appropriate way, then you can actually kind of achieve anything you want to if you're willing just to take it step by step. People think that these big dreams, these big goals, these big achievements are this mass that's insurmountable. And I was saying to my son this morning that, you know, I was explaining that there's my brand, which is what people see on TV, and then there's me. They have the same name, but they're not the same thing. And I was in workout clothes and I had trainers on. I was like, you know me, this is me. <laughs> and then there's the brand. Um, and, you know, the, just people just think that you get to this point where you've got all this stuff and everything's so shiny and amazing and I could never get there because it's just too big. 
but it's not. It's, everything is just one step at a time. And if you just set a goal, you'll be there before you know it. And then you go, okay, I'm going to set a new goal and then a new goal and then a new goal. Just don't stop. It said speaker on your Instagram profile. I'm going to just change that to motivational speaker because I feel very motivated, <laughs> Darren. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah. for joining us on Homestyle, Darren. My pleasure. It's been a real pleasure to chat. Thank you so much for having me. It's not half an hour. It's not long enough. Uh, and I miss you so much. So it's just I been know. Have this <laughs> and Shana, Bones, thank nice you. Your face. I miss you too, you <laughs> lovely woman. <laughs> Shana, thank you so much. Next time on the podcast, we're going to catch up with Dan and Danny from The Block. A bit of a, you know, it's a block reunion here on Homestyle. So Shana, I will talk to you in a couple of weeks and good luck with the rest of the season of The Block, Shana and Darren. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Dan. And, of course, thanks to Red Energy for supporting Homestyle Born and Bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. Give their Melbourne-based team a call today. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks right here on Homestyle. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy. Born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today.